0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. What's up? And I'm Little we- Patience. What's <laughs> we up? Talk about Little Patience. On the stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out. We sure thing. do.
1: Let's kick it off talking about Avengers Beyond, number one from Marvel. So it's we're- beyond the Avengers. It's mm-hmm. not about the Avengers, it's beyond them. Yeah, well, we, here's they the were thing. forever, this
2: and is- then now we're beyond them. This wow. is
0: written by Derek Landy, art by Greg Land. This is spinning off directly from All Out Avengers, which was yes. a book all right. that yeah, the all out ostensibly one. was done in one adventures of the Avengers. But as it turned out, somebody was manipulating him in the background. Over the course of it, they started to figure out that somebody was manipulating them. And turns out the big reveal at the end of the last issue, Captain America figured it out, is it's the Beyonder. Heads the title beyond here. Oh, and now finally yeah, we have the Avengers that's... dealing with it, bringing the threat to the forefront. So everything you need to know is in this first issue, I would say. So if you want to jump in yeah. with this, it's fine, but it definitely helps to read all out Avengers, which was super fun as well. And we really loved yeah. before you get into this, but given all that, given we're finally getting into the main plot here, and we don't necessarily have the done one structure. How did you guys feel about this one?
2: Take me off to Landyland, because I think this is a great team on this book. Uh, I like this mystery that uh, pieces of the Avengers' lives keep getting sort of knocked away. Their memories are messed with. It's the Beyonder, and then the Beyonder's like, I'm here. I'm a sort of a jerk. Oh no! Uh, bye! And then uh, he vanishes uh, after he causes a problem for our current Avengers to deal with. I like this Avengers team. I like She-Hulk being there. I like the uh, way that Iron Man and Black Panther are sort of two sides of the coin, where they literally make each make one half of a machine and both confidently know it's going to come together and work in a cool way. It's a fun series. We've Everyone has knocked Greg Land's art over the years for um, many different reasons, but I think it really fits here, for except for the porn stars. Let's be honest. I guess that's what it, the main uh, complaint was. But I do uh, like it here. Uh, it, it, it
1: was hard. I was very distracted by the shoulder pads in this, though. This is I kind of I was like these shoulder pads, and I was just like, "Wow, we're bringing these you're talking." By. Just to be clear, you're talking about
0: it. It's a classic Secret Wars two style Beyonder who shows up. Oh, here. I thought you were let's
2: talking see. about my shoulder pads that I'm wearing. No, know. not these no. ones. No, not those. Okay, because my Paula Poundstones? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Sick reference, dude. I loved it. Uh, Paula Poundstone, dude, her stand-up specials back in the days were fire. They bro. killed yeah, she, fire. Shouts
2: to 80s stand-up specials that looked like they were taped on you your did, uncle's. You, so
0: you guys, didn't like, you guys didn't like the classic Beyond her here? Is that what I'm getting? Uh,
2: no, I like classic Under vibe. I couldn't I hear agree. anything he was
1: saying because I kept looking at the shoulder pads because I was like, "Are you here? seriously not going to address these? Are you just here. Gonna do these top? comics talk to you? What's going on? Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, they, they do.
2: do. Well, my issue with the shoulder the pads don't is don't they talk? they look metallic. <laughs> are those metallic or are they cotton uh, puffs? Right, uh, it's unclear.
0: That, to me, and then we could probably
2: move Space on and talk fashion. about the next you comic I mean? book. But Space that to me, fashion's crazy, dude. It's crazy, bro.
0: It kind of it works for me with the action movie. I know we've been using this word a lot, but, like, high-octane feel of this book. Like, versus Jason Aaron's book, which is this epic story that he's been telling over five years that is also, mind you, very fun and very over-the-top and very ridiculous. Yeah. This is just, like... Fast and the Furious Avengers that's pretty much what it is in terms of like the tone of what's going on here and that to me is like what do you want? You want classic ludicrous looking beyond her to show, Beyonder to show up here and work in? I had a great time reading this book.
2: I, I did too. Like I, I'm only and I agree with Peter it just is so funny how distracting it is how yeah. big the show they take up just a lot of the actual frame. <laughs> they
1: do. Like the artist was yeah. You know. Really He's some drowning
2: life. in his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like a, a kid wearing his dad's suit at prom. Yeah, This uh, this reminds me a lot of the tone of the early Marvel movies as well. When Jason mm-hmm. Aaron is Ooh, like broad yeah. scale, like Avengers Endgame style, the movies, um, this feels a little more focused, a little bit lower budge, but just like really investing in the it's, quippiness and the all characters. the
1: money went to the shoulder pads. There's no question. But I, <laughs> I think, though, to get past the shoulder pads, if we can, the, so. the action big. and adventure in this is it, it has a great kind of Marvel feel and storytelling and art style. Style, uh that I think is is glorious take well, me to
2: landyland
1: yeah agreed let's move
0: on to another thing that I'm curious to hear if you guys feel is another clean slate Waller versus Wildstorm number 1 from DC Comics written by Spencer Ackerman and Evan Narcisse art by Jesus Marino this is a black label book so it takes place ostensibly out of continuity But in fact, we're getting to a earlier Wildstorm universe that is already part of the DC universe. Lois Lane is investigating a mystery that ties into a younger Amanda Waller and Checkmate and the Milestone characters all working together. So it's this mashed together universe that I think is important to know that going in because definitely half the book I tried mentally to figure out what universe what's going on here what timeline is here but the important thing is it doesn't matter this is a fresh start this is a new thing this is its own thing these are characters you know but in different iterations
1: that's interesting that you said that because i i was looking at lois lane's hat and i'm like is like what sports team are they referencing here or is it a city i was really having a hard time with it it was very distracting and then it, you know the t-shirt you couldn't so quite just make to it. make
0: clear first issue you were distracted by the shoulder pads. second right. issue
1: you were distracted by the hat let's see if this is a trend three is a yeah trend. but also i t- i love the 80s feel of this i think it was really great and cool um also you can swear a low slate that's fucked up, man. I I didn't appreciate it. I didn't. I wasn't. she you was swearing? No, got swore at. Oh, she swore oh, at Lois Lane. Like you know who can hear that? Supes. Uh You just wait a second but because it's going to be a be clear. This is a
0: young cub reporter, Lois Lane, who hasn't worked her way up the ranks yet, so she may not know Superman, and Ooh. Superman may, may not show up here.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, uh, the hardest part for me with this was what you're talking about, Alex. Like, Just pinpointing wh- where all these characters are in relation to um, all the other versions of them that we've known over the years. Because like, I like the use of Lois Lane here and without Superman. I'm glad we didn't have Superman here or involved at all. I like Battalion here. I like Amanda yep. Waller being young and sneaky, and they're just realizing what a problem she is. But because spot. it doesn't put us in that spot at first, we have to sort of learn it over time. Uh, so it, it just takes a little bit of time to get in there. But I do think it's worth the that journey to get there because I think the tone is really interesting for this. It feels like a classic like uh, '80s or '90s mystery movie where mm-hmm. like uh, like almost. Like a John Grisham style, like with superheroes, pelican brief or something like that, where we're just unraveling this, this mystery. And uh, we know at the beginning that Amanda Waller's at the center of it, yet it's still a nice ride to find out that she is over the course of it. Yeah.
0: Totally agree, and I think that's one of the joys of the Black Label books. You know, if I had known that going in, it wouldn't have taken me half the issue to get there. But hopefully, those of you listening to it can get into it, because it's a good paranoid thriller. Indigo Children, number one, from Image Comics, written oh, by yeah, Kurt Pyers and Rockwell White, art by Alex Diodo. This is following a... Uh, Another conspiracy that somebody has tried to unravel involving some strange children who may have powers. There's a lot of time jumping that's going on here. If you're reading Youth by Kurt Pyers, this feels like a natural extension of that, I would say,
1: except going in a different direction with the story. What do you guys think? I think this was a solid first ish, you know, like really does a great job of like catching the reader that, uh, you know, scene on the airplane. Holy shit. Uh, So, yeah, they did a great job of uh, up front getting it intense to kind of grab your attention. And then, like, I love the color palette and the choices they make. This is a very intense book, but very interesting start. I'm hooked. I can't wait for more.
2: Yeah, this feels like a fun uh wide lens like Netflix um style uh superhero show. Um in a, in a, I mean that all complimentary. It also reminds me a little bit of um what was that uh found footage superhero movie that uh was very popular back like 10 years ago. It starts with uh, a C. Yeah, it's like Courage or something like that is uh, that what it is no <laughs> it's that's definitely not it it's is. by
0: max Ladis, who is a terrible yeah. person as we know now but yeah there
2: you go but it reminds me of that in its storytelling where it's like a, this super this extra this pa- paranormal thing emerges and we are um, sort of following it along for the ride in a cool way the art is really cool and it's one part of our pyres pile which is what we're calling this deck
0: yeah. Uh, just on the art note, I want to mention Alex Dioda's art is really a standout of the book. Reminds me yep. very pleasantly, without being derivative, of Ron Garney, I would say, in oh, a way. Oh,
1: interesting. Um, interesting. But
0: really good stuff. I was very pleasantly surprised by this book.
2: Ron Garney's could call a Chronicle, is the movie. We
0: Chronicle. Were Chronicles of Narnia. Let's see.
2: I got it. Yes. Yeah, nope. so it was Chronicles no Narnia. Of, Garn- Chronicle
0: the Lion, of Narnia. No, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, that's right. Chronicles of Speaking of C's, Clobber time, number one from Marvel hey! by Steve Scroogey, maybe my issue of the week, I gotta yeah. say.
2: I was I mean, a- when I read this, I was like, this is a Zalbin in a Zalbin pocket. This, this is a Zalbin right pocket?
0: In- really? Because I read this and I was like, this is kind of my issue of the week, but this is also like a Pete in a Pete Pocket. Pete, were yeah. you oh. like this is Justin in a Justin pocket? I get you too
2: confused is the thing. Like you guys occupy the same. We both have pants and
0: glasses, and
2: you know, and um, that's (laughs) it. That's the only two things.
0: So this is exactly what you would want out of a Steve Scrooge Marvel book. It is Scrooge. a thing book, and surprisingly, it's a thing <laughs> ongoing or miniseries book. I'm, I probably should have looked it up, but I was surprised to find that it was continuing. But in this issue, it is thing and a Hulk gets sent to another dimension by a mystery villain. They have to fight monsters constantly through there. I don't know if you guys read this back in the day, but there was this old graphic novel called Hulk and Thing, The Big Change, where they got sent to an alien planet and they had to have a burger eating contest. Yeah, yeah of course. That's, ex- That's why
2: I thought it of you. Love that book. This
0: yeah. reminded me very pleasantly of this, mixed with absolutely like brutal monster fights. Yeah. The Thing doing the grossest thing in all of comics, his rocks falling off. So yeah. gross oh, If you think that's gross
2: And uh, uh, Hulk uh, Hulk calls him Rock Lips or something <laughs> Yeah Yeah, Road Lips He calls him, Lips, him over and over again yeah. and I was like, Road Lips is a I had, gross I nickname I had so
0: much fun reading this book The art was so good It's so detailed It's so precise Loved it
1: Yeah, and, and also really funny last panel That whole uh, a Hulk could eat Oh, I love that Love that so much
2: yeah. Hulk could eat uh, but if you think this issue has some gross stuff in it, the um, the page for next issue is just all of the individual little thing, scab rock scabs are being pulled off. It's very gross. Ooh. Not my thing.
0: But like Pete was saying, though, there's some funny bits in here, like yeah. Reed Richards stretching up his neck. And Just having his head literally above the clouds and then not being able to bother him with what's going on because he's so busy doing an experiment. That's very fun. The offhand way, things like, all right, let's make some plans. And Hulk's like, no time for plans. (laughs) Bam, monsters. Throughout the book, just so funny. So much fun.
2: There's this fun thing when when Reed's head is is so stretched out and uh, Bruce Banner's like, can I just pull on his neck? And he's like, nah, he hates that. And I was like, of course he hates that. (laughs) Don't touch a neck. Don't touch a neck, even if it's really long.
0: Great stuff. Definitely pick up this book. What a delight. Lazarus Planet, Revenge of the Gods, number two for Ooh. DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by C. and Torme, and Emanuela Lupicino. We've been getting really hung up on the title for Lazarus Planet, so I'm just going to skip by all of this. Yeah. Say, um... uh,
2: it's, it's funny you say that. I just have a couple comments on the title, Lazarus Planet. <laughs> oh. It's like they took the event of Lazarus Planet, oh, and they oh, keep dipping that. it into a Lazarus Planet. It keeps coming back a little younger and a little cr- Crazier each time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe that's issue, the point of the event.
0: I think I that's mean, what it is. So this is the gods attacking the superheroes in the first issue. We got Wonder Woman being tricked by Hera. In this issue, we turned the lens to the Shazam family. Shazam! Specifically, Shazam! Specifically Billy and Mary as they fight again. And we already know this, but the wizard Shazam, is teamed up with Hera. That's something that comes out over the course of this issue. Um, I really like this event. Once I got past the whole title thing, I, I think it's good.
1: Mm. The end. You know, what's funny uh, is that uh, what happens in this comic is what I thought was going to happen in the Shazam 2 movie uh, mm-hmm. at the end there. Uh, so it was funny to kind of get it in comic form. And when I was watching the movie, I thought it was going to happen. I didn't.
2: I mean, honestly, some of this stuff did happen. Like a bunch of uh, yeah, mythical yeah, beasts loose that. in the city?
1: Yeah, but that last, uh, that last part, I thought for sure, because of the way all the kids were acting, I had thought like, okay, the wizard's got to be like, you fucking guys, give me this shit back.
2: <laughs> but, but Alex, if you showed up on Mars planet, thinking mm-hmm. it was going to be like a fun spot to go for vacation and got there and realized what it was, wouldn't you be a little disappointed?
0: I guess so. Uh, one thing that I did want to bring up, though, about this book, not to completely spurt from what you're saying, Justin, but I was definitely struck by, oh, man, it's a real bummer when comic book companies are like, big movie coming out, we're going to lead into these characters, we're going to put out this title, and that the movie just doesn't work, like Shazam 2 is bombing at the box office right now. But they're just leading to the Shazam stuff here, working it in with Wonder Woman. And it made me a little sad While I was reading
2: I get that, but I actually took solace I had the opposite feeling, like I was like Oh look, this is a good story Mm -hmm. Using these characters uh, to their uh, More full potential, so I was happy to, To ride along with this story uh, despite the seeing the fury of the gods and being um, disappointed by it, but I just want to say with the way Lazarus Planet's going, I look forward to um, Lazarus Planet Justin's funeral in like thirty years. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't will be wait. a part of we'll this in, event. Bro. Yeah,
0: it'll yeah, be great. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have one of those French dip funerals you've been hearing oh, about. Oh man, those uh, yeah, are the, yeah. I love a good French dip. Yeah. Uh, Justin that, would have loved this being dipped in his own gravy.
2: What a great food for any sort of uh, mournful event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's move to another thing that's definitely tying into a movie that's coming out Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning oh. Adventures, number one from ITW, written by David M. Boer and Sam Max, art by George Cambodius. To be clear, this is not an adaptation or tying into the Dungeons and Dragons Honor uh, Among Thieves movie that's coming out. Yeah, so weird but- that you
1: mentioned it.
2: Well, but, but I think it's timely publication wise.
0: Yes. And it's following up on the 80s cartoon that is yes. uh, mild Great spoilers, cartoon. but I think this Great is really in commercials. The 80s cartoon group does show up in the movie. So that's definitely the tie. Spoiler, in dude. Spoiler. But what did you guys think about this one? Did you guys watch this cartoon back in the day? And if so, how do you feel this
1: followed up on it? I, I did. I, I love the style of this comic. It's a little different from the cartoon, but it does have an animation feel. But I, I feel like they did a great job of kind of like, capturing this kind of like a wholesome style of kind of Dungeons and Dragons. And I I I thought this was a blast. I thought this not only was the art good, there was some fun storytelling stuff in here. I just felt like it was a solid book that from the first kind of page, you kind of got an understanding of where you were going and what's going on. And they really delivered on it
2: uh yeah to put on the old head head for a second like when this cartoon aired um I, I think i only saw it in reruns but it was the one we talked about all the time like oh man i hope that comes back or like because you never knew back then when you were a kid if what was happening with there, there was wasn't no a,
1: internet there was no answers you just had to hope yeah, no you know? phones you just yeah, had to yeah, wheel, no your rotary little wheel with a stick over to your friend's
0: house and be like what's yeah. happening
2: the um, yeah, the deadline Hollywood didn't uh, wasn't being hand delivered to my uh, my upstate New York home. Yeah, uh, back the only then.
0: deadline uh, Hollywood they had in those days was the Black Plague. Yeah. Wow, dude, I think you've gone work? back a little too far. Yeah, that worked. The, the Black
2: Dahlia, uh, maybe yeah,
0: sure. Uh, all right, that's better. Like the murders. We'll plus this up and post.
2: Definitely, just like Deadline does. What I was going to say is, uh, so I, I love this cartoon universe. And what I think this series does really well, this first issue, is it takes the characters, puts us right there on like, yep. episodic, fun characters who don't ever change, right. and then changes them sort of right out of the gate in an interesting way. And I like the way this story just moves. It fe- felt short. It was a quick read. I'm looking forward to more.
1: I agree. It's-
0: it's Jeff. Number one from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Gary Hiru. This is a collection of digital strips that have published on Marvel Unlimited in issue form. Having not read the digital strips, I was very happy to read this issue. There are a bunch of very cute bits involving the uh, land shark adorable. who lives cute? with
1: Hawkeye. Cute? Yeah, the sure. dolphin costumes, so and no only get scared of them. You know what I mean? That's, that was a, he, that's a he wore a
2: dolphin's flesh,
1: and <laughs> disguised
2: himself for yeah, his own self sick, selfish advantage. He ate a, a meal, a Thanksgiving meal, ruined Thanksgiving, and then these. napped
1: in the oven because it's warm and
2: toasty. Napped in the oven. That's uh, he's a, he's a monster. He's a he's monster a menace. You should be ashamed of yourself I'm for sorry. giving more attention to Jeff this land shark who is cute i
1: i can't wait to follow him on insta i feel like these are adorable little uh, glimpses into the life of jeff yeah i mean if i would have seen these ahead of time i probably wouldn't have had as much fun but uh seeing them for the first time this i thought it was just you know really The way it just kind of sets it up and delivers. These are just adorable little tales about a rascal of a land shark who's just trying to be loved and get some snack time. And he doesn't want to get stuck in the washing machine, and neither do I. Uh, You really (laughs) really saw yourself
2: in this little guy. That's right. Yeah, wow! Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm getting the feeling you got stuck in the washing machine at some point, Pete. I don't want to talk about it.
2: Yeah, if you so what, there were about like tens of little stories here. How many of these have you also lived through, Pete? <laughs> oh, I've definitely these worn did a you...
1: dolphin skin before to try to fit in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, now, real quick question:
0: not that you got trapped in a washing machine, but if you got trapped in a washing machine, was it a trail of tide pods that you followed, eating them one by one until you fell into there?
1: No, it's just a warm place to nap, and uh, sometimes uh, you got to make sure mom's paying attention. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Wow,
2: <laughs> not the answer. I thought you were yeah, going to I
0: did uh, almost convince my brother when I think we were like eight and four to go into the washing machine. Oh, wow. No, it was the dryer. It was the dryer, actually, okay. because he was like, I, I'm small enough to fit in there, and I was like, I bet you are and
1: Oh, see, wow. even as a kid, you loved yeah, the tors, as, uh, in my defense, just...
0: as soon as he started to crawl in, I was like, No, I can't do this. He's going to get stuck in there, and then I'm going to have to turn it on. And then Chris I'm
2: going no, to have to turn it on. You saw it from you all are angles. You're
1: the worst person, dude. You are the <laughs>
2: worst. Alex's first words when he was a baby was, "Are those a bunch of hoodies hanging behind you on this podcast?" <laughs> so, you can see he's always been up to something.
0: Anyway, this book is a delight. If you haven't checked it out digitally, definitely check it out physically. Action Comics, 1053 from DC Comics. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens, and Leah Williams. Art by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks, and Marguerite Savage. This is continuing to tell three stories of the Superman family. In the front story, we're getting Metallo or Metallos versus the Superman Ooh. family. And then we get two follow-ups, one of the uh, Superman and John Kent and Lois Lane moving back to a Smallville farm back in the day and fighting against a proto-doomsday. And then in the final backstory, we are getting Power Girl, or a riff on Power Girl, as it turns yeah. out, who is now has some new psychic powers that are allowing to explore people's psyches. Um I said this with the last issue. This continues to be a great package that is well worth your time as a comics magazine. But what did you think of the individual stories?
1: Yeah, I I agree. This is a, this is a tight package. It uh, offers a little something for everybody. I love the kind of uh, art style change in the third story that really just popped. I felt like was really cool. Um, Yeah. And the first story, we kind of got this, uh, Uh, crazy kind of metallos run wild and then uh superman going to visit luther in a cell which was oh so uh so intense that i very much enjoyed uh yeah i'm i'm having a blast with this i think they're really killing it they got amazing people on this
2: the variety is just excellent from uh a artistically across the different uh the triptych of stories here, but also just the tones of the stories. The front the front story uh, by Philip Kennedy Johnson is like, we get this Metallo body horror and just like the layers of deception that are happening here. It's a Superman-Lex story at the same time it's a Superman-Metallo story at the same time it's like the Superman family coming to terms with the fact that they weren't a family and now they are. Then you get the lost child tone of John Ken as a kid uh, before he was aged up. And then sort of like the, the bright art and the sort of psychedelic psyche stuff we're having with Power Girl, also exploring her role in the super family. Like I love it. Like Alex said, it's a great, uh, well worth uh, the money Superman magazine.
0: Rocket Man and Rocket Girl, number one from Dynamite, written by Jacob Edgar, art by Jordi Perez. This is, I believe, a one-shot issue focusing on some classic characters who are getting some new adventures here. I thought this was a solid adventure. I enjoyed this. I was curious to read this because I really enjoyed the Jeff Parker, Catman, and Catgirl thing that they had done that seems very similar to this uh, along the same lines. I want to throw something out at you guys that almost has nothing to do with the issue I wish Dynamite would lean into this stuff instead of all the other stuff they do. And the reason for that is I'm always hesitant to throw Dynamite stuff on the stack because I feel like every single time we review it, we say, wow, this was nothing like these cheesecake covers. This was a good story with good writing and good art. I'm glad we got past the covers and did this stuff. This is something that is just selling on nostalgia, and that's yeah. what all of their properties are. When they do that, it works. And it's it's a bummer to me. I don't know if this is for everybody. Maybe their cheesecake stuff is working for them, and that is a selling point. And they've done, you know, case studies about that. But at least for me, like that's a barrier to reading their right. books. And this year, I'm much more willing to pick up something that looks like this is rocketeer-fueled nostalgia – than what they regularly put out as
1: part of their line. Yeah, I would just say maybe direct some of that towards dynamite and not us. Uh, but I think that <laughs> no, none to of that was directed towards no, you. No, you were like, you know, There's the deal with dynamite, and I was like, well, if you got some thoughts on dynamite, well, and how to they be clear, run their Pete business? is Go the editor in chief.
0: Him. Pete is the editor in chief of dynamite, so that's well, why he's feeling this way. But you, I you, should,
2: I you should feel comfortable. The, I don't know if you know this, but we're we're actually recording this, and other people hear it. <laughs> So uh, it's sort of like Alex is talking what, to us. he's making us, somebody but else things... do
1: his dirty work. It feels like well, anyways. Who's doing I, dirty work? What There's are you talking, talking about? Me? I honestly I, don't know what you're talking about. Saying your
2: opinion is not a, say, having someone else do the dirty work. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I agree with you. It does have a Rocketeer kind of great feel to it. It's a very stylized, very cool looking uh, a book that's uh, you know worth it for the art alone in that aspect. Uh, but yeah, I think it really delivers on what it kind of sets out to do and uh, uh, has a, a fantastic tone.
2: Uh, to your point, Alex, I do think they, there must be a reason why they're doing all of the uh, more cheesecake covers for so many of their books. It's not like there's just someone over there who's like, yeah, let's go with the naked lady again on the cover. <laughs> like there <laughs> must be some sales uh, mm-hmm. numbers and dollars to back that up. Uh, so uh, but I agree with you, it. It is – it's just like a, a false cover. It's, you can't judge a book by its cover with a lot of these. And obviously oh, this book – it's
1: deep, man. Wow. No, but I, I mean that well, – What is your own? deal right now? I can't tell <laughs> if you're
2: defending
0: Dynamite or against Dynamite or just Joker <laughs> or just, style plagues both sides against the middle. You know what? You are the Joker.
2: And I recently watched Batman 89. And I'll tell you why, mm-hmm. Pete. That's you that's who um, you
1: are uh that's that's very creepy but thank you uh i also Not can i say something just
2: it. to follow up with
0: what justin is saying yep. you're my uh, number, number one number guy, one guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> beautiful but um, on its own merits i do i did like this story uh it reminded me of some jeff parker stuff uh i've rocketeers a easy comparison just because of the time frame and uh Jetpacks <laughs> and, <the rockets. laughs> <laughs> and the rocket tears that they are, but a couple. Uh, so yeah. I think this is a fun read, especially if you want to get that nostalgia hit. Like Pete, my friend is saying,
0: why don't we talk about something is killing the children. Yeah. Number let's talk about from Boom studios written by James Ted in the fourth art by it. Not to take it in another direction, but I wish they would stop doing these cheesecake covers for something is oh, killing the God. children. Wow. It is making me too horny looking at these something is killing the children covers, and I think you guys agree. Nope, oh, I'm no. starting to detect You've a, pattern got a weird now. kink going on <laughs> in there. Yeah, okay. no, this is I. I, I got to tell you, I think this is my favorite arc of something is killing the children so far. Oh, like ooh. the danger for Erica. Her yeah. main character is so high, she has this opposite number from the House of Slaughter that is trying to come after her at the same time as there's a monster that is killing the children per the title, but also it is slowly morphing to look like her. Oh, it man. is yeah. so focused and so harrowing. I, I'm i so tense reading every issue of this arc. I'm dreading it and loving it in equal measures.
2: Well, I think this, this arc has dispensed with any of the coyness that a lot of the earlier ones had, where we were seeing the story happen, but we didn't know why, who Erica was and what was going on. Now that we know all that, I feel like this is really running. Everything is working. All the ancillary characters outside of Erica are like in danger or helping or the problem. There's a lot of death and destruction. And then when you see the Erica, you're
1: like, she's going to get blamed for this
2: because it looks yeah, like her. Yeah, and exactly. it, it, that tension really works on me when I'm reading this.
1: Yeah, I mean that kind of last panel of like, oh shit. Uh yeah, I, I JT four is just killing the game right now. This is such an amazing book, such a cool kind of uh uh interesting uh, original story that I am just loving and the whole thing about the dolls is so creepy and fun and uh everybody kind of has their own unique story I, I'm having such a blast with this and yeah I can't believe how kind of ratcheted up the tension and I don't know if she's going to make it out of this one kind of feeling you have while you're reading it, but it is uh, glorious, and the, the art is just absolutely type bananas. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to that because I don't think in 30
0: issues we've really mentioned there Deldaria's layouts in particular. There's just these... It's not even wide panel. It's just double page or quadruple page or whatever is going on there. Like, it's just these very wide layouts he does that are fascinating and very different. So... Great book,
2: so. Um, uh, While we're here, I I just I did a little research. I followed the money, as they say, and come to find out, come to find out, Pete is being sponsored secretly by Dave's Tight Bananas, a produce dealer, (laughs) and he's been saying this. He's making every time he says it, he makes like fifty
1: bucks. You believe this?
2: He's uh, making Justin,
1: 50 bucks it looks a- like your research is a little off. Uh, I get paid in bananas, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> super tight, super bananas.
0: <laughs> tight. yeah. hey, uh, tighten up those bananas for me. Hey, you. if you got <laughs> bananas, you. you
1: got a deal.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, that sounds like the sort of thing that would be going on in Star Wars Jabba's palace. Number Oof. one, from can't stop this guy.
2: Marvel. And <laughs> Alex is secretly sponsored by Dave's Transitions Barn. <laughs> Where he's, he give, he's supplying Alex with these transitions.
0: Dave's Transition Bard, a store where you can buy, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Alessandro <laughs> Miracolo. In this the book, books. we're getting one background character, I believe, in
2: Star Wars. Oh, no. He's not a background character. Yes. He's yes. a terrifying foreground element <laughs> in, in Jedi when yeah. C-3PO and R2 first come to Jabba's palace and they start having to work there and yep. they look over and they're like, there hey, he is, is it fun here? And they, they see this dude get torn to pieces. He right. Looks like and a it, little gelfling of a droid, and you think he's nobody, but it turns out, based on this comic book, he's somebody
1: already. Yeah, and it's a, you know you're feeling for a robot. Which does the robot have feelings? You know what I mean? Like it's uh, droids it's a crazy, have
2: feelings, Pete. Well, Look at
1: you you really do feel for droids in Star Wars, and uh, yeah, you should. You know, of
2: course, you do. <laughs> Why you act like you're you're like super emotional because you feel for these droids who are often main characters.
1: Yeah, I hear you, but they also uh, are robots that don't have feelings. So it's it's a kind of a crazy thing. You think R two doesn't off. have feelings? I don't know, man. He's a robot.
2: Wow, Pete. You know the you're, the coming
1: AI uh, singularity. <laughs> you're in trouble, buddy. Yeah, I know. My computer hates me for the things you're I'm a first saying kill. out loud. You're top. Yeah. Of, when you're your I... blender's going <laughs> to jump at you yeah. as, as
2: soon as it becomes sentient.
0: I really like the idea of fleshing out just a one-shot thing in Star Wars and figuring out what's the story behind that. There's a lot of collections that are like that. It's not necessarily something we haven't seen before, but I think it's a really fun thing for the comics to do. I do think there's a little bit too much narration in this book. That was a little bit of a wall for me to get through it. But just in terms of pure story. I thought it was good. The art is good, the characterizations are good. And if you have ever wondered about that droid, I think it is a it is a fun one-shot issue to pick up.
2: Yeah, this uh, this hit a little close uh, to home for me because I just watched Jedi for the first time mm-hmm. with my my daughters and they really liked oh. it and I saw that guy and I was like, "Oh, if I was 4, I would be scared of seeing that get torn apart from my yeah. eyes. And then and this your story, kids were like,
0: Data, is there a one shot comic book by Mark <laughs> yeah. Guggenheim about this?
2: Yeah. And yeah. boy, did I have a great aunt. Well, I was a <laughs> King dad for that moment when I was like, uh. yes, there is. Yes, Unstoppable
0: there is. Doom Patrol. Number one from DC comics written by Dennis Culver art by Chris Burnham. This is a new take on Doom Patrol where they're trying to help out the freaks. Of the DC universe and being like, hey, instead of beating them up, why don't we help them, you idiots? Specifically, Batman, you idiot. And in this book, they had to Gotham City specifically to deal with one of these freaks. This is basically as good as I wanted it to be based on the one-shot story that I think rolled out of one of those Lazarus Planet books, if I remember correctly.
2: Yep. Yeah, um, that was Lazarus Planet. Justin rode the subway this morning.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> It'll be
2: a huge tie-in.
0: A huge, a huge, huge. Uh, huge. And uh, so Chris Burnham art, phenomenal, perfect great. for a Doom Patrol book. Dennis Culver, writing these weed characters in the perfect way. The concept, great. I do have one qualm about it that Don't. I want to get to in a second, but I'd love to hear from you guys first.
1: Thank you. Okay, yeah. Some amazing covers that we have here. What an ish. I-, I loved all of it. Uh, you know, the art, like you said, it's unbelievable. The action, the stories. I mean, shit went down in this issue as well. Also, we got an amazing uh, cameo by Peacemaker showing up. Uh, Plus, Cliff saving the day by talking uh, talking it out. I mean, this is just some creative shit happening all over the place, and I'm all for it. I also loved how the characters hated Gotham. Like, if Gotham is real, I think it would be one of those things where people probably wouldn't go there, you know? So it was fun to kind of see their kind of takes on that as well. I had a great time with this issue. I think it was just such a great package. The combination of art and storytelling really met in an amazing place here for this comic
2: gotham is like going to like a town outside of baltimore right
1: <laughs> <laughs> i wish uh, i could disagree with you <laughs>
2: there it is I love, the dew patrol has always been very stoppable like their whole thing is like they are stopped so to see them uh, functioning and and sort of operating like a real super team i'm curious if there another shoe is going to drop here because th- this reads like the characters we like succeeding and crushing it yeah and their difference maker was that they didn't succeed and didn't crush it in fun and unique ways so i wonder if we're going to twist back to that or if this really is the doom patrol entering into uh, the dc universe as just another uh Group of fighters. Well, and just to mention, we have Jane, aka
0: Crazy Jane, as the new chief of the group, and I love that dynamic. I loved having Jane leading it. It's such an interesting thing. Here's my quab. This is very specific to me, but we get a side story that's happening that's clearly going to tie in at some point. Side story. Monsieur Mala and the Brain as they're tracking down this other, like, creepy old dude. Big spoiler here. At the end of the issue, Monsieur Mala stamps stomps on the brain and ostensibly kills the brain at the bidding of this other guy. I love Mala and the brain. You it's do. just like on a
1: base mm-hmm. comic it's like, book kind level, of like a pinky of, and the brain situation. Well, love no, them both I love together. it. Like
0: just the base idea of like this giant murderous gorilla and this brain in the jar love each other more than anything in the world that's that's sort of like a only in comic books idea and i know it's Mm. supposed to be this way so emotionally it works so it's supposed to but watching mala stomp on the brain yeah it was
1: hard it was really hard it It hurt hurt a lot and i was like
0: how there's got to be an explanation for this you've got to come back from this in some way this is like if midnighter was like "Eh, i gotta kill apollo sorry Oops. Yeah,
1: it was it was rough. For it sure. hurt to
0: it hurt to read, and I assume yeah. that's the point, and we're gonna get more information as we go. But it definitely took me out of the book because I was like,
2: yo, what are you doing? Too much. It felt extreme, but I think we're gonna get a twist on it. I don't think the yeah. brain is gone. I think maybe maybe the older guy is going to be the brain or become the brain or something like that. Because I think you're right, Alex.
0: I love them so much.
2: But that's why I feel like I think that goes back to my point where it's like it feels like this is a Doom Patrol book that's being disguised as a mainstream superhero comic book, and all of the Doom Patrolness will leak out mm-hmm. as it's as it continues.
0: Totally. Otherwise, loved it. I don't necessarily have a problem with this so much as I want to see how it goes. Yeah, it you want to goes see forward, read more, get more info. Hurt my heart, man. It's only Teenage Wasteland number four from Dark Horse Comics, written once again by Kurt Pyres. It's the bottom
2: half of the Pyres pile. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Art by
0: Jacobo Salcedo. This issue, we're getting a big wrap-up, I believe, of what's been going on as our teens find out exactly what's been going on in their Teenage Wasteland. What did you guys think about this one?
2: Uh, I like this a lot. This is a wrap up of the, what I would say is the first arc because we get a strong tease at the end um, to where uh, everyone's going next. And it I won't say where or what exactly is happening because it definitely goes to sort of the mythology and the underlying science fiction nature of this story. But this issue is all about the relationships that are happening here and some romance. Uh, I really like the art style. There's some great Spare panels here that I think are really uh, cool and interesting as we're learning a lot of, you know, expositional stuff that could feel boring, but it's constantly spikes uh, spiced up with all the relationship stuff here.
1: Yeah, this is a crazy cool read. I I love the art style and uh, it's such a good fit for the story interesting action kind of love the what the fuck moment at the end there so uh this is this continues to be solid and i'm looking forward to more and
2: we get a double kiss
1: you get the old double kiss That was great. That
2: was a great page.
0: This was a great series. I'm looking forward to more of it. Definitely pick up the collection if they're putting out one. Local Man, number two from Image Comics, written by Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks, art by Tony Fleeks. This book is basically what if a Wild Storm or 90s Image comic book, think Youngblood-style hero, had to move back home, and he ends up having to work on, I don't want to say solve because he's not quite there yet, but the murder of his old enemy who also lives in his town. We also okay. get backup stories that are basically parodies of old nineties, two thousands style image comics.
2: It was great. Uh, yeah. I love this book. I, I had missed the first issue uh, when it came out. So I read both one and two back to back this week. And, just loved it. Like the, the specificity of not just, cause I think we've seen that story of like a big time superhero goes home and uh, wackiness ensues. The specificity of it being like um, a, a young blood, like Rob Liefeld drawn style character and all the sort of extremity that that leads to played off of some real good detailed small town living research and storytelling that happens here makes for just a story that really hits my sweet spot. I, I love both sides of this book.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is really awesome. Uh, very unique and cool. Um, and I'm glad that floating robot uh, got fucking destroyed at the end now because that thing was driving me fucking nuts. There's some robot just pointing out all the things you're doing illegally it would just be the fucking worst, man.
2: You're literally target number one for the AI. Like yeah, you're I know, bring, at, you're I'm literally, literally asking it now. For I'm just saying it. fucking bring it on, Why? man. Why I, I praise our future robot overlords. I will be their flesh brother. Yeah, that's a horrible <laughs> idea, man. Flesh you're brother that, Justin, go kill Pete gonna LePage. Be cute. Yeah, you're going to just
1: be their lackey, dude.
2: Well, if my one job is to kill you, I just know already how to do it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fucked up, man. Yeah. Discontinued Mountain Dew. You're probably
1: already drinking <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: Daredevil number nine from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Manuel Garcia. In this issue, we're going to get. just thinking big... about
1: that being
0: so sad. I'm sorry. Ah, big, big twists are going on here. We've been following Daredevil as yeah. he and Elektra have been building up their army to take on the hand of the Punisher. They seemed kind of successful in the last issue, but everything takes a turn here for the way, way worse.
2: You know, P, what a. What a lifelong well, you know, dream. Wait, you, wait, 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 wait. No, no, wait. No,
1: no, no. You brought up discontinuing Mountain Dew, and then you fucking go right into this? I'm already sad and in a bad place. You don't have to it fucking double down. It says it in down. our rundown.
0: Talk about discontinuing Mountain Dew, <laughs> then talk about Daredevil number Stop nine. Stop saying this dude, it, that. That die turns to just turns toxic. this morning.
2: They so, can't the die the code red stop. dye turns toxic. Yellow number five is right into your bones after a while. Yeah. But here I mean just By say, way, Pete, yellow
0: number five, my favorite Lou song. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that's God. good stuff. Uh, Pete though, you must <laughs> yeah. have You must have loved this. This is a lifelong dream of yours where Foggy turns straight
1: up into Fog.
2: Like it's Foggy (laughs) becoming his final form, actual
1: Fog. Go fuck yourself, man. You saw his face out like when, uh, you know, Foggy turned into Fog there. That was awful, man. It was also tough to see Sticko. (laughs) That's
2: a a funny sentence when you say it that way. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this it was very sad. And I know, Pete, you are a huge Foggy fan. So not just is Foggy dead. He was like, Foggy's been dead for quite some time. This <laughs> yeah, has been a Foggy a prank. Break. He yeah. got Foggy punked here. Yeah. And that was uh, no got way to do it in the
1: fog. It. Yeah, yeah this fog is, is
0: pretending to be Foggy. I I mean, as always, a great issue of this. Chip Zdarsky, great. The art by Manuel Garcia, great. But this was such an insane turn for the negative after the first eight issues of this title. It really threw me for a loop. Uh, Just all of this stuff that they've been holding on to where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's leaving because they're bummed out about what you did last issue to attack the Punisher in the hand. Also, not only that, but Foggy has been dead <laughs> for a very long time. Stick has been dead for a very long time. All of this, will you've been manipulated this entire time. Sorry, Daredevil. Also, we're going to bomb your private island. Oops. It's – and we should expect this. We should expect this with Daredevil because Daredevil's M.O. is – he is never happy and things always get worse for him. But it's a lot in this issue.
2: This, the next issue page is Daredevil on his knees going like, no, how many, if you had to count, how many next issue or covers of Daredevil are him on his knees being like, why, no. why no. do I do this? Uh, well, we're at least, we're in issue be nine, to my so friends. I would say why 10, I 11, learn from my 12. Mistakes?
0: Yeah. Every time, man, that Daredevil. And, and also I, in I, this I, issue, biggest of all, he's like, well, God's abandoned me.
2: Yeah. I, that was like, God died when we uh, were mean to Jesus. I was like, yo, <laughs> like, cool it. Crazy thoughts. And I want to take, I'll also take this moment to announce, this is crazy, this is happening, but I pitched a Foggy in Hell series to Marvel, and they bought it. They bought it. They want to see nine, they want to see 18 issues Who matches wouldn't? the Netflix series Who of wouldn't? Foggy just being roasted on a spit in hell for the full <laughs> brunt of it. I'm so sorry, yeah, Pete. Make- Clear, is, when we're
0: talking about the the spit, it's through his ass all and out his mouth. Oh, right? come on, man. That's
2: the way Foggy wanted
0: ah, it. I fog. heard in the trades, Eldon Henson has signed on for this, right? He's not doing Daredevil yeah. Born Again, but he's doing Foggy <laughs> dead for the first time.
2: It's photorealistic. <laughs> we, we're we shooting it all on film. It's going to be great. Pete, yeah. it's, I'm dedicating the first issue to you. Yeah. And <laughs>
0: Eldon Henson has gotten first full method, so he's like, roast me, baby. Yeah, he's getting That was up. his quote in Deadline.
2: Yeah, Deadline Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. Deadline Hollywood.
0: Dark Knights of Steel, number 10 from DC Comics, <laughs> written by Tom Taylor, art by Poochery. In this issue, we're dealing with the big revelation of the last issue, that the folks behind all of this are the white Martians. We got the reveal that I believe it was Alfred... Is Marsha? Yeah, yeah, there you go. John Jones. Uh so this medieval version of the DC Universe is going through some big changes here. We got a lot of answers in this issue. What'd you think about this? Uh
1: this is this continues to be a lot of fun. I really love the art, uh kind of style to it, the old timiness, and, and you get a talking dragon in here. That's a great time. Uh yeah, I think this is just just continues to be such a great, uh, fun experience.
2: Alfred, the foggy of Batman exposed, uh, we had some trouble here, uh, but we moved through it. And I, I like this series a lot. Uh, I like, they continue to make turns. I mean, it's Tom Taylor, someone who, uh, have we not praised him enough uh, <laughs> on this podcast? So just great to see another like a uh, deepening story that he's at the helm. Tom Taylor, Tom Taylor. You said Tom. I said Tom Tyler, Tom King, Tom Taylor. Yeah, you said something. I thought you said Tom Taylor. I think I said Tom Taylor.
0: You said the correct thing, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Approach number 5 from Boom Studios written by Jeremy Hod and Jason A Hurley art by Jesus herfas and Leah Caballero in this issue we're wrapping up the story of a gigantic Lovecraftian monster attacking a airport in the middle of a snowstorm things go predictably bad here and maybe to worse I know we've been really enjoying the tension of this series and the art in particular. How do you feel it
2: wrapped up? It's a great 80s movie in a comic book form. If you've been chasing that sort of uh, high, this is it's right here for you. I like the last couple pages uh, yep. twist at the end. And it's a good story where a lot of people died, but but some characters lived. And I like the ones that made it through.
1: Yeah, there's some great monster action here. Uh, intense, cool ending. Love the last panel. Uh, yeah, the monster's creepy in all the right ways, and the are super type and ends. Totally agree. Great 50 book. 50 bucks. <laughs>
0: uh, again, I think this is a good one to pick up and trade if you missed it. Hellboy in love. Number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Christopher Golden, art by Matt Smith. In this issue, and a very interesting structure for this book, where they're having two issue arcs following this romance between Hellboy and this human woman. Here we wrap up this evil puppet arc, which I know Pete doesn't like evil puppets, so I'm curious to hear from him. And by the end, maybe things start
1: to heat up with Hellboy and this woman. Pete, what did you think about this? Well, first off, it's kind of weird to see uh, Hellboy in love, but uh, the kind of two dimensional uh, puppet thing they kind of get stuck in for a little bit was uh, fantastic. I was worried it was going to get like meta and weird where they're like kind of stuck in a comic book while we're reading a comic book. But I think they did it really well. And it was kind of a fun moment. Um, You don't. Uh, Hellboy isn't always that kind of light and enjoyable it, sometimes it's kind of dark and brooding so this kind of like him having kind of light fun adventures where he turns into two dimensional kind of things is interesting um, yeah and uh, love the art style I'm not sure I'm buying them as a couple yet but I'm, I'm having a blast what? with this book did you read the last page? yeah I did
0: she takes off her hat man yeah Oof. I know
2: Anyway, you know, once that hat comes off, Hellboy's horns are shaved, but he seemed awful horny in that last page. <laughs> uh, I, I like this as well. I thought it was um, a fun adventure. Uh, I was, I thought there would be more of a romance to it, uh, and we didn't get. We got a little bit of that, so I'm looking forward. Are we getting more of this? With the romance? Yeah, continue? I think
0: there's at least one more issue. I will say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. At the beginning of this issue, we get a. Not flashback, but we jump over to Liz and Abe Sp- Sapien, right, at the beginning yeah. of the show. Yeah, they're hanging out. Yeah. I know we talk about this all the time, but every single time I read one of these things, I'm like, come on! Give me a real, yeah. like, forward-looking adventure. Like, I love seeing them, and I love seeing what they're thinking while this is going on. I know their multiple characters are dead and in different places and whatever, but, like... Give, give me, give Mike Magnola, please come back. You are just like teasing so much with all this stuff. I, I'm dying here. My children are dying. Give me more Hellboy Modern Adventure.
2: And I, it's got to be building up to something.
0: Yeah.
2: Is it more Hellboy in the forward looking present universe? Maybe.
0: They got to do it at some point. It's driving me crazy. Invincible Iron Man number four for Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by one for Gary. We are finally finding out who has been torturing Tony Stark. We actually found this out, I believe the last issue is this character, Faye Long, who had previously tangled with the X-Men. In this issue... Iron Man wrecks this dude like, oh, my God, like in a absolutely brutal way, destroys him for the fact that he's killed several of his friends. But the interesting thing beyond this issue is that it is building up to a big event called Fall of X that is going to be happening over the summer that is going to have Falong as the villain taking on both Iron Man and the X-Men written by Jerry Dugan. So we're getting the first tease of it here. What do you guys think about this issue?
2: I, I really like this as a setup. It feels like a really long uh, series of breadcrumbs we're going to follow into that event. Maybe we're not going to get too much more of that here, but I, I love the idea that Iron Man fights him for a while and then it eventually just leads into that event um, in the summer. I also like Iron Man. There's just some great Iron Man moments. The, the fight, In the fight, um, at the end, him floating in space and then going to see, um, spoiler the White Queen on the last page, I thought was really yeah. cool. It, it feels like this Iron Man book has a different tone than so many that have come before, and, uh, and I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't excited when I was like, oh, you're going to deal with the White Queen, but uh, interesting ending. Um, I also uh, really like the She-Hulk appearance in the kind of uh, second part there. Uh, Great lawyering. Yeah, uh, I I just I think this is great art. Interesting story. Love, love all the action and adventure. Uh, so, yeah, solid. Gotham City, year one, number six from DC Comics, written
0: by Tom King, art by Phil Hester. We are wrapping up the series that has been telling a noir story from back in the day in Gotham City. We get it all laid out here, exactly get what's been going down. on, all of the twists with Batman's grandparents and what happened with them back in the day, thanks to Slam Bradley, who is essentially at his deathbed in a hospital telling Batman the story. Justin, you're laughing. What's up?
2: This is a, first off, this is a fucked up story to tell Batman on your deathbed. <laughs> if you're like, hey, man, hey, thanks for coming your these are my last words and I want to die talking to you a guy in the spandex uh, your grandparents were fucked up here's what happened <laughs> like it's a wild story and i I really like this comic I thought that uh, the reveals here that sort of pay pay off the the title of Gotham City year one setting up a lot of the uh, I guess the architecture of some of the Batman mythos, like we get the reveal that the Bat Cave was uh, Bruce Wayne's grandfather's um, sex cave. Yeah. Fuck palace uh, is uh, what I, what I would. Call yeah. It. So it's like, if, if Bruce had fallen in there and just seen a bunch of like uh, Victoria's secret catalogs, he'd be lingerie man and mm-hmm. it'd be a whole different world. We'd be in.
0: Yeah. He so, could be used condom man or something like that. Uh,
2: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, what about a different Christopher Nolan series, but we would have probably watched it.
0: I, I got to tell you, uh, Phil Hester's are great. Perfect for this book. Tom King writing a totally fine mystery. This is like a little too much for me in terms of,
1: <laughs> yeah, that man's
0: grandparents are really messed up. What do you think? And that sex cave was the pinnacle of it for me, where it was like the yeah. Bat Cave was the Bat Cave. It was the Fuck Cave, where Batman's grandfather used to bring ladies and used to like cheat on his wife. I I know that's not how Tom King means it. Like that's not. Uh, I understand from his other writing, he's not trying to be Mark Millar and he's not trying to be edgy. But this is the closest that Tom King, in terms of execution and plot has come to being Malar edgy, and I don't love it.
2: Well, here's the thing. I don't I, – I understand why you make that comparison, but I don't think it's meant to be – that. it's not meant to be like, look, this is forever what the Batcave is going forward. I think the point is, like, in this world of, like, salacious underbelly of Gotham City, yep. using these elements, here's how we would play it out. And honestly, if you go in any cave, people are fucking <laughs> – <laughs> so just Carl's know, bed, know but no, 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 sometimes that, it's a bear hibernating. The, all right, also having sex. I put the bad in Carl's bad, so you oh, don't no. even watch out. You watch out when he oh, calls, uh,
1: yeah. There, there's a the whole premise to this was a little too much, uh, to begin with. This whole kind of like you thought these people were cool, but they're totally not it was a, it was just like a weird path to go down.
2: Well, we oh. never thought they were cool. These are people we haven't really seen before. And from the jump in this series, because we talked about it a lot, about how, like, where's this going? It just seems like bad people uh, doing bad things to each other. So, like, I don't think it was meant to even tarnish the Wayne family, per se. But it, it was is like,
1: tarnishing the
0: Wayne family. But it doesn't, it doesn't tarnish Thomas and Martha. I mean, not to contradict you, I think... It's their parents, right? The bigger thing, though, is exactly what you were saying at the beginning when we were first talking about this, Justin, is the idea of Slam Bradley at the end being like, well, now you know the story. <laughs> like, yeah. what does Batman do with that? Being like, I laid all out of this out for you. I guess the point is that Gotham City has always had this seediness and corruption in even in the Wayne family that we look as saints. And uh, I assume that's the idea here, but in terms of execution, it comes out that this old dude is like, yeah, I fucked your grandma and your grandfather (laughs) fucked a bunch of other people in your (laughs) cave. Now I'm
2: dead. I don't know. Uh, Thanks slam for the (laughs) story. Uh, Finally, something to brood about for old Batman.
0: Yeah. Good you're gonna, day. You are gonna eat that Jello? What's going on? Here?
2: <laughs> oh, you died. You I just died. <laughs> okay. Now I feel weird. Five minute rule of Jello that <laughs> <laughs> Batman. <finished>. Batman says <laughs> to no
0: one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> looks around. Five minutes. Let me say,
2: Pete. Five minute rule really gives really gives you a lot of time on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> You drop a piece of salami on the ground. You're like, all right, four minutes, 59 seconds. Now I'm going to eat that. Uh, Siri started timer
0: for five minutes. Okay, what are you do about you want this wait? timer to be about? Do you salami wait for someone else to claim it? Dude, somebody yeah.
1: listening to this podcast who has a Siri just kind of got f by that. you yeah. saying that. they're like, Alexa, ah. buy chips ahoy. <laughs> wow. wow. You're an awful person.
2: Here's another option. The top result is chips. Get out of here. (laughs) Alexa, stop. Go to bed, Alexa.
0: <laughs> Bloodstained Teeth, number 10, from Image Comics, written by Christian Ward, art by Patrick Reynolds. In this issue, we're again getting, like, a big finale to this, I believe, where yeah, yeah. our vampire, who has been tasked with killing all of the vampires he created, finally it comes down to a fight between him and this organization who has sent him to kill them. Gorgeous. Gorgeous yeah. last issue of this book. Like I, yes. I love Christian Warren's writing this tied up in big action fashion. Um, love what he did here. But Patrick Reynolds art, man, particularly like that last page.
1: Yeah. Super ripped out bananas in all the right ways. It's just so uh, absolutely gorgeous. Like you're saying, just so well done. And I love this kind of like, this is a very touching kind of cool story. Love the ending. And this – uh you know, even vampires got to be like, you know what? You humans are our food, but fucking David Bowie was the shit,
2: bro. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, though, the best way to read this comic is to have it be uh rolled on with glue onto uh, a abandoned building in L.A. and just walk down the street reading it. That's the vibe I get from this whole wow. thing. Wow. I know you're be joking, cool. but
0: that would be super sweet, and I would love that. This book... Was one hundred percent like glam rock,
1: eighties yeah. style. That's exactly what they're One hundred percent. It's great. I yeah. love it. It's like the way you describe that, like if you went into like an art installation or whatever and got to kind of like experience it that way, it'd be great. Yeah, cool. and I know you were making a joke, but legitimately, that's a great idea. <laughs> I, money I mean, I don't know. I,
2: I meant to, I imagined yeah. it that way. Uh, Venice Beach, put it up on the walls. That Let's would go. Be so Absolutely. cool.
0: Uh, this book was great. This is another one you definitely should check out in trade if you missed it in f- single issues. Deadpool number five from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Martin Coquello. After last issue you brought back cletus cassidy aka carnage spoiler here but they dispatch with him very quickly in this issue in a very funny way um this is a battle royale here as we finish off the first arc and kick into the second arc i'm having a lot of fun reading this book
1: i agree it's it's really a lot of fun and they do a good job of capturing the Deadpool tone and in in such a way Uh, the balance of like comedy and mischief and and violence. I I think that they do a really great job Um, and the Valentine moments are adorable.
2: It's interesting to me how the Deadpool comic has changed like it used to be sort of all jokes all like meta I feel like now it's been pulled back a little bit Uh, to your point Pete like I think the tone is still there but this is a straight-up superhero comic this is like a fight and Deadpool is occasionally being funny and sort of like a little bit removed from it but this is the most I think he's been threatened he's got a this symbiote inside of him and he seems a little scared throughout the issue so I was surprised by how this is like a different page for Deadpool. Uh,
0: but good stuff and good art. Yeah. Dead Seas number four from IDW written by Kevin Scott art by Nick Brokenshire. This is following a jailbreak kind of, I guess we can call it on a ship that is filled with ghosts, specifically one very large baby headed ghost. Oh, that is trying mama, to it down. Stop Momma. it.
2: Stop it. Pete Mama.
1: It's so creepy, that fucking baby ghost thing. It really freaks me the fuck out. Mama. Justin, what do you think about this one?
2: This, uh, I like this all right. It's, uh, I, this one sort of feels like the 80s movie stuff I was talking about a little bit earlier. But it feels like a uh, a more B movie, a, a less popular Like B movie. movie. Like yeah, like Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I like that it does feel, uh, it feels like it has that nostalgia. It has that little bit of a, a cheesiness to it. It just feels a little wobbly on the edges uh, as it's going forward.
1: Huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can understand a little bit of what you're saying there, but I just think that like I, I thought the the ending was really great in such a like. You know, having that monster with that line, like, waiting for me, like, just so uh, creepy. I-, I love what they're doing with the monsters in this book. And uh, and the art style is so creepy. It really kind of gets to you. Planet Hulk, World Breaker 5
0: from Marvel, written by Greg Pak, art by Manuel Garcia. This is the final issue of this book as a pseudo-sequel. To uh, not pseudo sequel, actual sequel yeah, to Sunday no Holt. <laughs> uh, wrapping <laughs> up another you? fight on Sakaar Pete.
1: Hey, what's up? Thanks. Hi, for how are acknowledging you? Acknowledging me. Oh, I but John passed. Yeah. Hey, I'm uh, uh, sorry,
2: Alex. You you didn't earn 50 bucks from yeah. Dave Transition Barn on uh, that one.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh Greg Pacman, uh, touching ending, like really just landed uh, such a sweet ending, and we got kind of flashback to his uh, uh, original series there. And I thought that really tied in nicely. Uh, you know, the Hulk is a lot of things, but uh, a hero for sure. So this was just such a kind of cool homage to the Hulk as a hero and the things that he sacrifices and fights for. I thought it was very beautiful. And uh, Greg Pak is obviously close to this character. And it shows.
2: Old Man Logan for Old Man Hulk. Old Man Hulk saves the day.
0: Well said. Stargirl, The Lost Children, number five, from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Todd Knock, picking up at the cliffhanger of the last issue, where we found out that Our Man, the robotic version, is the one behind, stealing all of these sidekicks out of time. Seemingly, we follow up with that with a big fight scene issue. I continue to really enjoy this series. I think this is... Continuing the story of Stargirl very well, despite all of the different elements and characters that are being thrown in, it's still very clear what's going on in terms of the story, which is hard to do. But how are you guys feeling about it?
2: I love how the art really reflects the sort of bright, shiny outlook of the sidekicks. It does such a great job of letting us uh, be with them and sort of almost see the world through their, their eyes as we have these villains that are like a little bit scary, a little bit like sort of mysterious, stocky superhero villains that they are about to confront. Uh, it, it's just, a, I think Jeff Johns, you know, sometimes gets a little caught up in the mythology. This is just a story where it's really sticking with the premise when we get to really, Uh, be in the story right where I feel like he wants us to be the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think this has like a really fun, uh, great last page, uh, cool build to big action to to come. Uh, I love the art and the tone of it. It kind of has a Captain Bucky O'Hare style to it that I very much relate to. Uh, Great team up action, though.
2: Wow. It reminds me of Legionnaires, the the series that I liked back in the day in the 90s that the Dodson's drew.
0: Hmm. I, I would say it reminds me more of Captain Bucky O'Hare.
1: Oh, oh, great call. Oh, nice yeah. reference, bro. No problem. Once Upon <laughs> a Time at the End of the
0: World, number five from Image He's Comics by Jason totes. Aaron, art by Alexandra Tefenki at the end of the last issue. Maceo, one of our two main characters, was captured by the evil Boy Scouts at the end of the world. In this issue, Will, the girl that he met, Come and save him. Uh, Maybe, but uh, continues to be a insanely high stakes romance book. Yeah. I I love this title. I love the art. It's funny and harrowing in equal measure.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the super uh, adorable moment there that kind of happens at the end there. I don't want to give away, but uh, it's twisted and messed up, but it's really uh, fun and also sweet. Um, I, I, I feel like they do a great job of juggling a lot of things in this kind of post-apocalyptic world, and they are at a super tight bananas.
2: I also really like this book. It's weird. The, yeah. the narrative, the story points are weird and funny, and it feels like when you are in love, when you're young, where you're looking back, and you're like, that was goofy. We had this funny, goofy you know, adventure together as a date. And then we have the counterpoint where it's like this dark, tortured, uh, older version of uh, of
1: oh, yeah, one of our characters.
2: And that's been a, a running through each issue. And we get to see sort of the aftermath of this romance that we're just getting the uh, first window into. And it's really cool. I'm curious how these two very different uh, styles of uh, person and storytelling are going to meet in the middle at some point.
0: and if you would like to support our podcast and all the podcasts we do patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7pm to crowdcast on YouTube come hang out we would love to chat with you about comic books Apple, Spotify, Stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter comic book club live on TikTok and Instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
2: Yeah, good night. I'd like to tighten up these bananas if I could. Yeah.